0: Happy Thursday. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are doing the fifth episode in a series that I'm trying out where I give advice that no one asked for by topic for each Enneagram type. Today, we're covering the topic of self-care for type five. I'll cover what life can look like for you with and without self-care, what you may do to sabotage your self-care, and a few practical tips for infusing more self-care into your life. But first, today's rosebud and thorn. So my rose for today is that I've gotten really into these study with me videos on YouTube. Um, It's essentially people who just film themselves studying. Uh, Maybe they have like relaxing music going. They're using highlighters and pens and they're typing. And there's kind of an ambiance or an environment around them. I found it really helpful for focusing when I'm in quarantine, right? Because I'm, again, we're deeply quarantined. So, I'm not going to work at a coffee shop right now or to a co working space, but that is just sometimes the energy that I'm craving for the day. And so, I can put on one of these study with me videos, and it kind of feels like I have that same environment around me, and it can really help me to get into my focus zone quickly. My bud is that. What I'm looking forward to is Friday. Um, My favorite work day of the week is tomorrow, which is just the week that day I get to plan out the work week, really think about um, what's coming up in the coming week, and make more. Like I just, I don't know if other, I know other sevens are like this because it's like one of our fixations, but I love to plan. It's just so therapeutic for me. It makes me feel calm and excited. Everything in the future is beautiful to me as a seven, right? So it's just this really relaxing, nourishing day and it is tomorrow. And my thorn is now nav- I'm really navigating simplifying my life. Um, and the FOMO that comes with it. Um, I'm having to say no to more interviews than I used to, um, more collaborations than I'm used to. Because the reality is that time is finite, and the more I say yes, the more I give away to things that I really need to be saying no to, right? There's so many things I want to be saying yes to, and um, I can't say yes to those if I'm saying yes to other things. So oof, it is a rough go, and I'm in the growth phase of sitting with my FOMO right now. All right. Today, I want to tell you about gravy. Full transparency, this isn't an ad, but I do get an affiliate commission if you choose to use the link that's in my show notes. But just in case you are where I was at at this time last year, where you have an online course, an online membership, and you have payment plans or recurring payments, and you just do not want to be the bad guy, right? Like you don't want to be the one who's like, hey guys, um, can you please pay me? <laughs> um, Gravy is here for you. It's a payment recovery company that takes your brand and your customers into account, meaning they will go after those failed payments, those missed payments for you, and they'll be nice to your people. Because that's like the thing that I was most concerned about when I thought about ever outsourcing failed payment recovery because I just don't want – I understand that sometimes times are hard, that things happen, and I would never want anyone to be talked to as if they are a robot and not a person. Gravy lets you set up your own contingency plans for people. They work with your voice. They work with your values and how you want to interact with your customers. And they customize their recovery to you. So they recover my failed payments for me so I don't ever have to be that guy. And they do it in a kind and human way. It's easily one of the best decisions I made for my business in 2020, and I am no longer spending my time chasing after failed payments, and instead I get to spend my time serving my clients well. If you're interested in gravy, I've got the link in my show notes for you. You can just go down there, grab it, and if you use that link again, it does give me a kickback, and that would mean a lot to me. Now, let's give some unsolicited advice on self-care for type 5. So first we need to cover what does it look like when self-care gets neglected for you specifically, right? Because we often think of this as a one-size-fits-all thing and it really isn't. Every type is going to look very different when self-care is neglected. And, and quite frankly, what self-care is looks different by type. I think this is, there's no type that that's more vivid with than with type five, who I think in general would say they're pretty good at self-care, like according to societal standards, right? They know how to take time for themselves. They know how to give themselves what they need. They know how to, you know, it's like they take, I take care of me, you take care of you kind of thing. Um, so seemingly, according to kind of our generic understanding of self-care, type fives have it in the bag. However, because what is self-care for a type 5 is going to be so different than what is self-care for a type 2, they have their own unique issues, just like the rest of us. <laughs> um, all right, type 5s. When you are neglecting self-care, maybe you become increasingly boundaryed. So your general sense of privacy might turn into isolation, um, meaning that it's not no longer of your choosing, right? Like you're, you're choosing privacy up to a point until you feel like you are so retracted that it's impossible to reach out. Number two, the second way that this might show up for you, or you might appear if you're lacking self-care is that you might just quit. Whatever it is that you're committed to, whoever it is you're committed to, whatever it is you're committed to, you might be like, all right, peace out. I'm done. This is too hard. Number three is, if you're lacking self-care, you might feel scattered or spread thin. And you might get stuck. You might might kind of be stuck in this place of inaction or stagnation. Now, with self-care, you're able to find the balance between connecting and replenishing, right? So you're getting that intimacy while also having enough time for yourself. You can commit to things without an escape plan. You take ownership of your environment, meaning like you become a allowed presence in your environment. You can set the tone for not only your life, but also kind of the tone in the workplace as a leader or the, the tone in your home as a leader of your household. And you are more connected to your body and your physical form. You're not just kind of living from the neck up. You're more connected to what else is happening in your, in your person. So let's get into how you might sabotage your self-care. So like, we know what we look like without self-care. We know what we look like when we have self-care, but how do we kind of get to that point? So the first one is you might close yourself off, right? So closing yourself off um, to the point where you you don't want to be vulnerable. You don't want to be seen emotionally. Um, you feel like you can't reach out to other people. Um, you you isolate you know, again, you take that privacy way past the point to the point of isolation. The second one is that you kind of live with an escape plan in your head. So you kind of have your, the whole time you're committed to something, you're proving to yourself internally that you actually don't need it. So this comes from a fear that if you need something, then you will be dependent on that thing. And then Um, it will, it will be too emotional or too hard, right? Like this, it becomes much more complicated and, and stressful. And so you want to prove to yourself, like, actually, if they left today, I'd still be fine. Um, or if this all fell apart, like I'd still be okay. And so you keep this escape plan in the back of your mind just to ensure that you are never too attached and therefore will never be too hurt. The third way that you might sabotage is you forget to ground and embody. So it's really easy for our type fives, again, to live from the neck up, to really live in their mind and forget that there is a body there. And the importance of really connecting to your body is because A lot of that deeper self-care occurs when you're able to be present in an emotional and physical sensation of, of what it means to be alive and not just be up here kind of living from the head up. And four is those research rabbit holes. There's no harm in enjoying research, obviously, but we know there's a limit. There's a place where it goes a little bit too far and we go from being informed into using information as an excuse to not take action. And you. everyone has to kind of identify the limit for themselves on where that splits. You know, where does it go from being informed to using information as a coping mechanism? Um, you have to just dis- determine that for yourself. But I think a good indicator is if I'm just kind of, oh, one more article. I just need to read one more article. Or... Um, we've talked before in the podcast about if-then thinking. Thinking if I learn this, then I'll feel qualified or I'll feel ready Um, because readiness will never come from your head. Readiness will only ever come through action and qualifications too will only ever come from action. So again, it's important to remember that You you can try to solve this in your head, but a lot of the problems that we need to solve and a lot of the things we need to do in life have have to change through behavior and through actions taken. Okay, so we know how we look without self-care, what we look like with self-care, how we self-sabotage. So let's talk about infusing more self-care in. Practical tips for actually adding more self-care into your life. So the first one is just identify the limit for you where privacy turns to isolation. Is it the moment where you feel like you can't text someone and ask for support? Is that something that you can do right now? Can you kind of allow that behavior to happen? Um, Is it you know, two or three days without kind of talking to someone else. You know, identify for you what the difference is. Again, I can't tell you what your personal limit is between privacy and isolation, but just start to pay attention. Um, That's step one. Okay, number two is really focusing on gratitude for what you were committing to on a daily basis. If that's, you know, a spouse or a partner or your children or your job, whatever it is that you're committed to doing right here, right now, Practice, have a gratitude practice for that. We've talked before about my favorite gratitude practice, which was simply just 10 good things. Writing down 10 good things. This is something you could do every single day for the people or the things in your life that you have committed to, because this is going to ground you back into why you're here and why they matter and will kind of help you to not detach from your own need for them. Third is regular embodiment meditations or yoga. You could do daily walks, just anything to get in your body. Um, You could get into really into strength training, whatever it is for you. You just just connect to your body on a daily basis. The healthiest fives that I know have some form of embodiment practice where they're reminding themselves that they are heart, head, and body, all three centers, a lot of all of our enneagram work really is about integrating those three centers, being connected to our feelings, our thoughts, and our actions. For fives, the one that you're going to need to focus on the most is in your body. Four is create a limit your research for your research. So, um, you know, to prevent getting into that rabbit hole of research, if you are trying to take action on something, create a deadline for when you will stop the research and take some form of movement. Um, you know, just one step in the direction of, of making something happen. And I have a fifth one for you. That's a bonus. Um, and that's just allow yourself to be seen in your emotion. I know this is a big ask and that's why it's a bonus. Um most fives, when you're experiencing your feelings, it's kind of like you're doing it in private and you're doing it through your head. So um, maybe at the end of the day, you sit down and you journal about how the day went and how you felt about it. And so you're kind of processing your emotions because it's not that you don't have feelings. But it's often not something that you will allow other people into. And this might seem like something you're doing as a favor to someone else, right? Maybe you have a partner who like wants to connect with you on an emotional level and you you aren't the most comfortable with doing that. So it feels like you're giving them a favor. But I encourage you to see this as an act of self-care because, um, The reality is part of self-care, especially for certain types like fives and eights, um, you know, there are other types like this as well, but those are the first two who really come to mind is allowing yourself to be supported, allowing other people to hold space for you and not feel like you have to do it all alone. So um, that's my bonus. If you do it, I mean, pat yourself on the back big time. It's a big one. All right. That is my self-care unsolicited advice for type five. Thank you all for being here. As always, it is a joy to create this content for you. And I hope I will see you tomorrow for our next episode. Seeking the truth never gets old.